Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, I've just been, you know, going through something today uh, that's blessed me. You know, the Lord put it on my heart here just in the last few days, just kept talking about it over and over again, just kind of kept rolling around in my heart. And so we just pulled out some stuff and thank God my pastor is a wonderful teacher and I swiped most of this from him. <laughs> But it's been many years since he preached it, so it's okay. You know, there, there is, there's no theft among preachers, okay? You understand that? We just, what? No, there's not. <laughs> if, if you preached it, I can preach it too. You know, he's, he's, listen, he swipes some of my stuff too, so, you know, this, that's okay. But once you put it out there, it's fair game for anybody to come back and minister it again because it needs to be said again. Hallelujah. Thank God, you know, we don't all hear something one time and, well, that's the end of it. Because, honestly, if you only heard it one time, you wouldn't get hardly anything out of it. But the more you hear it, the more you get. The more you hear it, the more you see. The more you see, the more it gets into your heart. And the more it gets into your heart, the more you can stand on it. Hallelujah. The more it gets in the heart, the more you can stand on it, the less the devil has room to take it from you. Amen. So tonight, we're going to talk about faith and patience. Hallelujah. Go with me to James. Hallelujah. Now, a lot of people, you know, that that cute little thing that you see sometimes says, Lord, give me patience quick. Well, unfortunately, that is the way most of us think. Lord, give me patience and give it to me now. But that's not the way this works. In James, it says... Let's start in uh, verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Well, isn't that just a wonderful verse? Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Thrill. That temptations can be translated as tests, trials, and afflictions. Verse 3, knowing this, you need to know this, that the trying of your faith works patience. Well, honey, if you want patience, this is what, this is what brings patience into your life, the trying of your faith. Well, that's not the way I want it. Well, that's the way you're going to get it. Because tests and trials come our way. Isn't that the right There is nobody who lives on this planet who's ever lived who has not faced trouble. You know, the tests, trials, problems, issues, whatever you want to call them, they come, they come to everyone. And if you go with me to 1 Peter, uh, chapter 4, verse 12, we've got a lot of scripture tonight, so some I may read and some I may may just uh, have you turn to. But tonight, let's turn to this one. First uh, Peter four twelve says, "Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing had happened." You know, don't look around and go, "What? I, I, I'm a believer. Why would this be happening to me?" Because you're a believer. That's really why it's happening. Hallelujah! In First uh, Thessalonians, you're close by. 
1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Verses 3 and 4, it says, well, let's just go back up to verse 2. And sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith, that no man should be moved by these afflictions. For you, for yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass. And you know, you know, it's so odd to me sometimes that people think, that have these have these little rosy colored glasses that when they give their heart to the Lord, suddenly everything's just going to be just wonderful and it's just going to be easy and life is just going to be great. Well, you know, it really is. It all depends on how you look at it. You know, though, though things come up, God's already provided the way out of all of this. I mean, he's already assured us. The fact is, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Let me stop that. Um, Mark 4, 17 talks about affliction and persecution arising for the word's sake. 2 Timothy 3, 12 says that all that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. There's no question. You're going to suffer somewhere along the line here. Well, one of the things you need to know is that all this stuff does not come from God. It comes from the devil. Mark 4.15 talks about how Satan comes immediately to steal the word. In John 10.10, it says the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. You need to know that verse so well. Do you know how many people do not know that verse? How do I know that? Because they're always blaming God for something that has the earmark, the stamp, everything on it, everything about it screams this is the work of the devil, and yet they're still trying to say somehow that it's the work of God. Well, God must be putting this on me. Well, God this. Well, God's teaching me something. Well, God God has another idea. He's got another plan. His plan is safety, preservation, healing, wholeness, salvation. That's his plan. His plan has nothing to do with that. If it's good, it's God. If it's not, it's not God. Easy, simple. There's nothing easier than that. Look at it. Is it good? It's God. If it's not, it ain't. I mean, that's just all there is to it. Stop trying to attribute something to God that does not belong in his court. Stop trying to say it has anything to do with him. God does not take people before their time. God does not shorten somebody's life before their time. God is not the author of tragedy. He's not the author of sickness. He's not the author of any of that kind of stuff. He doesn't need another flower in his garden. He doesn't need another angel in heaven. I'm not going to be an angel when I get to heaven, and there's no reason to say that somebody, oh, he's got a new angel. No, he doesn't. He's got all the angels he needs. I'm not going to be one of them because I have been created on a level higher than the angels. For you to say that he's got another angel is to demote somebody. Now, angels are pretty high up there. But I'm telling you what, we're above them. We're a step above them. To say that we're anything like them is is to dismiss the creation that God has made in you. And so we're not having all that nonsense. I just, I, I, it just, ooh, it just runs all over me when somebody says that kind of stuff. And depending on the setting I'm in, I have to bite my tongue. If I think I could correct it nicely without causing a real ruckus, you know, fine. But there are times when it's just really hard. It's like, ooh, 
oh, Lord, can I not say something, you know? But it wouldn't be received well. And so, you know, the Bible does talk about not casting your pearls before swine. So, you know, there's sometimes you need to just keep your mouth shut. But anyway, in James, you're, you go back to James real quick. James 1, uh, verse 13, it says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Hallelujah. Well, that, that should be simple enough. Listen, when it comes to tests and trials, you, number one, know that they're sure to come. Number two, they come from the devil, not from God. And number three, God has already prepared victory for you over them. 1 Corinthians ten thirteen says that God is faithful. Look at that. If you don't know very many verses, there are some you should memorize, and this is one of them. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 10. In 13, it says, Therefore, there hath no temptation taken you, but as such as is common to man. See, there it is again. It's common to man. But, don't you just love these Bible buts? But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. The Norley translation of that last part says, so that you can come through it victoriously. See, that's the way God looks at this. He intends for you to come through it, not stay in it, not be defeated by it, not to be buried by it, Not to go under, but to come through it, not just by the skin of your teeth, but victoriously. Now, when you look at that, that puts a whole new light on on what this is supposed to look like. It's not like, oh, thank God I got through this over. Oh, oh, thank you, Jesus. No, it means you're coming out shouting on the other side, glory to God. It's just like the three Hebrew children. They came out of that fire without even a smell of smoke on them. Hallelujah. Not a hair of their head was singed. Not one piece of their clothing was burnt. They didn't even smell like the fire. They came out victoriously. I suspect they were praising God on the way out. And if you know, if you want to get on the way out, you need to praise your way out most of the time. Just praise your way out of it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Did we have some lights go out? I think we did. Okay. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And then in Deuteronomy 7, 9, it says that God is faithful to a thousand generations. Do you have a clue how long a thousand generations is? If you go back to what we, we, we call the time of Adam, what we would call recorded history of mankind, do you know there's only been about, well, let's say less than 200 generations since then? And it says he's faithful to a thousand. Listen, if he's faithful to a thousand and you and I are in the 175th one, I think we're covered. I think he's got us covered. Hallelujah. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. You're close by if you haven't changed your place. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Then go over just a couple of pages to 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 14. Now thanks be to God who always... Not sometimes, not most of the time, but who always causes us to triumph in Christ and makes manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Thanks be to God. 
Hallelujah. So don't be surprised when trials come your way. Don't, Don't be surprised when problems crop up. Don't be surprised when crisis seems to be looming. Don't be discouraged by it. Listen, when I say don't be discouraged, you go back to James. Count it all joy, knowing this is the trying of your faith works patience. Hallelujah. And don't be shaken, don't be moved. 1 Thessalonians 3 and verse 3. Hallelujah. 1 Thessalonians 3 and verse 3. It said that we are not to be moved by these afflictions. We're not to be moved by these afflictions. Are we tempted to be moved? Absolutely. That's what patience is for. Let's just go on here. Go back to James. James 1. Glory to God. James 1. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this that the trying of your faith works patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. First and foremost, understand this. Tests and trials don't produce patience. Do you hear me? Tests and trials aren't what produce patience. If, if that's only the, what produced the patience, everybody in the world would have patience because everybody has tests and trials. It's the trying of your faith that works the patience. Now, you have to be in faith before patience can have her work. If you're not in faith, patience will not accompany what you're trying to do. The stand you're trying to make will not be accompanied by patience if you're not in faith. Now, isn't that just a kind of a little eye-opening clarification for you? It's not the test and the trial that produces patience. It's the testing of your faith that produces the patience. Because listen here, folks, that's what the devil's after. He's after your faith. He doesn't care a thing about you except the fact that you're God's creation. He wants your faith because in this world, we are the conduits of God's faith. We are the conduits of God's ability to operate in this world. And we cannot operate like God wants us to operate unless we're in faith. And if he can take our faith from us, then, hey, he has just negated what God wanted to do. He has stopped it. He has circumvented it. He has, he has what's my, the word I'm looking for? He has sabotaged it. He has sabotaged what God's work was. See, God wants us to, to live wonderful lives. He wants us to be prosperous. He wants us to be blessed. He wants us to be happy. And, and we're not always going to be using our faith just for ourselves. There are times when we are. But you see, God wants us blessed because we're a demonstration of his love. We're a demonstration of his care. We're a demonstration of his provision. We're a demonstration of him because we've been made in his image and in his likeness. We are God in this world. We are Jesus. The only Jesus some people are ever going to see is your face and he wants your face he wants your life he wants everything about you to be be operating on all cylinders and the enemy wants to stop that 
growing up, I mean, to me, you know, I, I backslid as a teenager because I honestly didn't see any difference between the rest of the world and, and the people I knew that were supposed to be Christians. Everybody had the same issues, had the same problems, and nothing ever got changed. There was no difference in it because we weren't taught. We were taught a lot of don't do's, but we weren't taught a lot of how to do's. Nobody told us that victory was always supposed to be ours. We didn't, they didn't tell us that prosperity was always going to be mine. They didn't tell me that, that, that sickness and disease had already been dealt with. Nobody told me these things. And so we, consequently, we didn't look like anybody else except that we went to church three times a week and more. That was about it. But God wants there to be a difference between you and the world. If in the Old Testament he put a difference, he made such a difference between the Egyptians and the people of Israel, he wants it to be just as defined today as it was then that people can see and know this person belongs to the one God. That's what he wants. So when you're just believing for something that you think is just something, well, it's just, you know, just a need in my life. It's just a desire of my heart. No, it goes beyond that. God wants to use that to demonstrate to somebody else that there's a difference between you and them because he lives on the inside of you. That's the whole point of what the enemy's trying to do. So you must be in faith before patience can even begin to work. You'll find over in 2 Corinthians, it says, while we look not at the things which are, which are seen, but we look at the things that are not seen. See, for us, we look into a different realm. We see things from a different perspective. And when we do, when we see it, when we acknowledge it, when we get grab a hold of it, then we're in faith, glory to God. And we can have those things. But faith alone just isn't enough. We, we're going to have this patience. Faith has to be accompanied by corresponding actions. You can find that over in James. Listen, if I am the healed of the Lord, then I'm going to act like I'm healed. There's going to be something I can do a corresponding action that goes along with my stand of faith that I can do. You know, it's like somebody said, one, or Brother Hagin said, you know, the Spirit of the Lord told him, he, you know, after he, he had claimed his healing, he said, well, sick people don't lay in bed until 10 o'clock in the morning. I mean, healed people don't lay in bed until 10 o'clock in the morning. So he got up. It was a struggle to get up physically, but he got up. That was his corresponding action. You know, you know, there's all kinds of things. We won't have time to go into this. Well, just leave that there. Uh, faith must be accompanied by love. Faith works by love. In Galatians 5, 6, that's what it says, is that faith works by love. And in Matthew eleven twenty five, 25, it start, talks about when you stand praying for your need. You know, you know Mark eleven twenty three and 24. Then it goes on to say that you have to forgive. Be in a place of forgiveness, a place of walking in love, you know, for these things to come to pass. But then again, it also has, says it has to be accompanied by patience. Go with me. You're right here close by to Hebrews 6, verses 11 and 12. Well, just verse 12. It says that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who faith, through faith and patience inherit the promises. You know, we've got, we've got people to look at the old, and throughout the Old Testament, you know, who through faith and patience inherited the promises. Um, someone once called faith and patience the power twins. I think that's pretty good. 
the power twins. Listen, in, in uh, verses 13, let's see, Hebrews 6, verses 13, it says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured... After Abraham had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Glory to God. In uh, Hebrews 10, verse 35 says, Cast not away your confidence. Cast not away your confidence. Cast it not away which has great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. That receive, I've got written down here, lay hold, take away, and enjoy to the fullest. That's what God wants us to do. He wants to inherit the promise, us to inherit the promise. He wants us to lay hold of the promises. He wants us to take it away and enjoy them to the fullest. That's the whole aim of the thing. Hallelujah. Listen, real Bible patience isn't just putting up with something. That's, that's not it. It's not a grin and bear it. It's not a grit your teeth. It's not a hang on till the end. Y'all just pray for me that I'll hang on to the end. Well, we used to say that, you know, in the circles I was raised in. That was, the, that was how you ended the testimony. Just pray that I'll make it to the end. See, God doesn't want you just to make it to the end. He wants you laughing, dancing, jumping, hollering, shouting, and giving praise all the way through. And the end isn't really the end. It's like there's one of these days, if we get this, if we get this straight in our thinking, one of these days we're going to be shouting and dancing and praising God and find ourselves suddenly caught up, just like we said on, Pastor said on Sunday night. We're going to be caught up and be gone. And it's just going to be like, oh, okay, let's just continue the party. God wants us to have a party down here. You know, he doesn't want to just wait till the sweet by and by to get up to the party land. You know, we, we think about the marriage, the marriage supper of the land. That's a great big party. Well, he wants you to enjoy the party down here too. He doesn't want it to be a strange thing when you get up to go, oh, what's going on now? Oh, oh, I can let down my guard now. Okay. All right. I'm, in, I'm finally in heaven. No. He doesn't want you to do that. He wants, you to, he wants you to enjoy it. We're not here suffering for Jesus. Who ever thought Christianity was supposed to be suffering for Jesus? Well, now, there's, there's an element of that where, you know, you understand that people may not like you, may not like your stand, may talk bad about you. There's persecution that comes with, it, with taking a stand for righteousness' sake. But you know what? You can stand. You can do that. But, you know, we're not Job here. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. No. No, 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 no. No, that, that's not it. We're not at the whim of some God who decides one day he'll bless us and then the next day he'll take everything from us. That is not the character of the God I know. And it's not the character of God, period. And yet that's how he's been characterized so many times. But that's not it. Listen, if it was just grin and bear it, there'd be a lot of people who'd be exercising a whole lot of patience. But they're not. That's not, it. That's not what he wants. There's a counterfeit for real patience. And that little suffering for Jesus phrase is kind of like that. It, you know, it all comes across, well, I, 
I'm just going to I'm just going to follow the Lord and and just whatever his will is, you know, if it's meant to be, you know, that we'll just we'll just we'll we'll just learn to live with it. No. Good Lord, no. That's a counterfeit for patience. Listen, go with me. Oh gracious, I don't think I wrote it down, my goodness. Uh where this verse is. Hallelujah. Where's honey? Tell help me. About tribulation works patience. Romans, that's it. I had I just written a lot of stuff down by hand, and then when I went to put it on, on the computer, I did not transfer. What Romans what? Five three. Hallelujah. Thank you, sir. You know, I keep him around for some good reasons. Hallelujah. He has his attributes. Yes, glory to God. (laughs) Uh, Let's just start in verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into his grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation works patience and patience experience and experience Hope. Listen, real patience. This is what real pa- what happens with real patience. Tribulation comes, it works patience. Patience then works experience. That experience, when you're really, when the real patience is at work, is victory and it's success. That's what you're experiencing. Victory and success. And then experience works hope. And that hope is your confident expectation of future victory and success. That's what real patience is all about. But here's what the counterfeit patience does. Tribulation works patience. Patience works experience. But in this case, because it's not real patience, this, this experience is defeat and failure. That's your experience. If you're not really in, in faith and, and letting your patience work like it's supposed to, the real kind of patience, then you're going to experience defeat and failure. And when you do that, when you're experiencing that, then that leads to despair. That leads to a hopeless expectation of future failure and defeat. So, real or counterfeit? Which would you like? It's up to you. You can decide. I would take a good long look at it and decide and get it and get it right where you need to be. Real, the difference between real patience and counterfeit patience is I am in control. If you feel like you've been, you're, you just, you just, Tossed every way that you're at the, you're at, at just the mercy of circumstances. You're at the mercy of your situation. You're just backed into a corner. That is not control. Now, is it? You, the, for the person who is who is experiencing what it's like to really be have have patience working in you, you're going to take control. It's like the ship that's going across the sea and, and it runs into a storm. You can let let go of that rudder and let it just take you wherever or you can hang on to it and you can fight it when the storm is trying to get you off course you can fight it and you can keep that ship steady that's really what patience does is it keeps your faith steady 
It keeps you on course. It keeps you on track. No matter what's going on, it keeps you steady so you're going in the direction you're supposed to be going. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, when Jesus was in the boat, he was asleep in the boat. The waves are tossing to and fro. The, the disciples are, are just you know, having a real issue here. You know, water is coming in the boat. I'm thinking, where was he asleep that he wasn't getting wet? Okay, the, the boat's taking on water, so where was he? All right, you know, I, I kind of figured I wouldn't know if I got wet, you know. Okay. But anyway, he was asleep. They had to wake him up. Now, there's a man who's exercising some great patience. Listen, there is, there's a steadiness to us when patience is at work. The enemy is going to put pressure on you. He's going to put pressure on your faith. He's going to turn up the heat, so to speak. How do we respond? Heat can either melt something or it can refine something. Are you going to be melted just into oblivion? Are you going to be refined like gold? Which one is it going to be? God intends for you to to take your stand and to purposely Cause patience to work in your life. Care and anxiety when it's present means that patience isn't working. Isn't that good news? It's the truth, although we don't like to admit it sometimes. We're into care. Doesn't, doesn't it tell us to cast away? I mean, put all those, those cares aside. Didn't we just talk about that a few weeks ago? Casting all of your care over on him. If you're in care, you're not in patience. And if you're not in patience, you're not in faith. Fussing and griping about, why is this taking so long? What's happening? God, do you not know I'm, I'm going through this? Do you not know I need this? I have been there. Anybody besides me and a couple of these ladies, you've ever been there? Yeah. You always say, God, hello, did you forget here? You know, do, we've had this conversation before. Do, do I need to remind you what's up? You know, the deadline's looming. What's the matter here? That is not patience. And I can't really say it's faith either. You know, we sometimes you just want to, God, God, are you just, are you trying to make this hard on me? No, he's trying to make it so that you'll stand. He's trying to make it so that your faith will grow to the place that you'll stand regardless of what comes your way. He is helping you to stand, glory to God. He's giving you what you need, hallelujah, to get the job done. Now you just have to work it. Listen, I was in my office today, and I was thinking about this as like a stick of dynamite. Now, to me, this, the, the, the actual place, the actual stick of dynamite, to me, is like the end result of my faith. And the fuse is the patience. And sometimes the fuse is shorter, and sometimes it's longer. If faith applied to that fuse means that thing begins to work. And it's working, and it's working, and it's working, and it's working, and it's working until it gets here and suddenly there's an explosion. The manifestation of what you were believing, God just suddenly is in view. Hallelujah. The power of God has come on the scene and it's brought into being what you needed. So look at it as a stick of dynamite. Sometimes the fuse is short, sometimes the fuse is long. I don't know how long it's going to be. 
But faith activates that, that patience, that power. It activates it so that it will do its job. Just stop being so concerned about how long it's going to take or how long it might take. Listen, there's a lot of reasons why things take time. And there's a lot of things that you need to understand that have to be moved into position so that your need can be met. God's not going to rain money down from heaven because that would be counterfeit money. He doesn't have a printing press up there with the U.S. government mint things that they use to make money. He has to move people He has to move situations. He has to move circumstances into place. Things have to line up for him to get to you what you're needing and what you're asking for. He has to put people in place for you to be able to help you in the situation you're finding yourself in. And that, because we operate in the realm of time, takes time. Sometimes. And then there are times when the enemy is just doing all he can to keep you from getting what your need is. He's there to, 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 to try to stop it. He's, tried, he's trying to make, put, it, put it on detour. You know, Daniel, you know, when Daniel prayed, the angel came to him and he said, At your very first words, I was sent. But the, the, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. Listen, faith says it's mine now. Faith says I have it now. Faith says God is moving in my behalf now. Not tomorrow, not will, not shall, not maybe. But he is working in my behalf now. It is now. It belongs to me now. And now patience is going to help me. To stand. My, my faith is being tried, so my patience is working. So I can stand here and wait confidently knowing I have my answer. I have my answer. I have my answer. You know, I was thinking this afternoon about, about the modem we have at home, you know, for our, for our Internet. And there are times, you know, that the power goes out and, or something happens. You know, our Internet at home does not work all that great and you know sometimes you have to go in and reset it and I've sat there and I have watched that thing now brother Bobby's around here somewhere he can tell me what all this I didn't go home to see what all those little lights are but there's like three little lights you turn it on okay and it tells you that there's power there okay you got some power okay and this little this little button here this little round thing and it kind of does its little flickering thing and then it's solid and the next one does this little flickering thing, and it's solid. And then finally, you got this little DSL little thing here, and it flickers until it's solid. Now I can get back on the Internet. Sometimes we get ourselves offline. We just totally go haywire. And, we, and, we, and we, the power is there, but we're offline. You know, when you find out you're offline, it's time to get yourself reset. Get it reset and get back online. See the, see the little button, you know, light up to green. Now it's good to go. See, you know, it's, if, you go, if you go back and you look at Abraham. Abraham, it was from the time God told him there would be a son of promise to the time Isaac showed up, it was 25 years. Well, 12 years into it, 
He gave up. Now, we look at that 25 years and go, oh, man, he stood for 25 years. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He stood for 12. And then one day, Sarah, what a wonderful wife she was, comes to him and says, listen, it's been 12 years. You know, I'm not pregnant. Got no baby. So I'll tell you what we do. Why don't I just give you Hagar and you have a child with Hagar and, and that'll, you know, th- that'll, that'll work. Well, being the smart guy that he was at the time, he yielded to what his wife said. You know, you know, these guys, that woman you gave me, you know, I believe that's what Adam said was that woman you gave me when God came to him about why'd you do this. Abraham could just as easily have said, no, honey, that's not the way this is going to work. That's not what we're going to do. God said you and I would have a child. But no, he caved. He gave up his faith. His patience was not working at that point. And he took Hagar. They had a son, Ishmael. He's happy. I got my boy. I got my boy. So for 12 years, he's very happy. He got his boy. Till God comes back along and said, didn't I tell you? That you would have a son with Sarah. Didn't I tell you? Well, Lord, can't we just, can't can't Ishmael be the son of promise? No. I said Sarah. Isn't it comforting to know these great patriarchs of faith had, had their moments as well? Makes me feel so much better when I blow it. Makes me feel so much better when, when I find myself a miserable failure in a faith area. Because they did it too, and yet they're still in the hall of fame of faith. Still there. Listen, I wrote this down. If you get out of faith and over into the flesh, you're going to have an Ishmael every time. (laughs) Abraham's failure to stay in faith And he lost out on his patience. He lost his patience. He lost his faith. Has caused this world so much trouble to this very day because he compromised. What pressure will do to you when when you're believing God for something and your patience is working and the enemy begins to put more pressure and more pressure on more pressure on you... If you cave, it's compromise. Compromise will not give you what you want. It will not give you what God intended. It will look like it at first. It will look like, okay, we've got this settled. This is okay. This will work. But that's not what God intended. If you go back to James, James 1, Verse 4, it says, let patience have her perfect work. What is her perfect work? The work God intended, the exact result that God intended is the perfect thing. When we jump ahead of God or we just let go of, of, just get out of patience and then get out of faith, we have just stripped ourselves of the ability to Enjoy the perfect thing that God had for us. Abraham did that. He wound up with Ishmael. And and you and I will do the same thing. 
if we do that. Um, I, I, I read this not long ago. Pastor Nancy Dufresne said this, and I, and I read a pastor at the time. I said, isn't that good? And it, said, it says this. It says, relief is not victory. So many compromise what's in their spirit for relief. It just seems like, oh, it would just be so much easier just to settle for this instead of, instead of standing amongst the pressure of, that the enemy is trying to put on me to believe God for this particular thing. See, nobody's immune from that. Those are decisions we all make, whether we stand or whether we cave. Do you want what God wanted for you, what he intended for you to have? The perfect thing that you will enjoy to the utmost. See, another, remember that verse that said that we would enjoy to the fullest? That's what he wants for us. He wants us to enjoy to the full. I don't want to compromise and wind up with something that looks good and sounds good, but it is not what God wanted. It's okay. Are you okay with okay? Or are you going to stand and say, I'm not okay with anything if it's not God's best, if it's not what he intended for me, if it's not what he designed for me, if it's not what he's orchestrated for my life, if it's not his plan. We want to take the easy way out because, it's, you know, let's just get out from under this because, you know, it takes effort to stand. It takes effort to resist the pressure. It takes effort. But patience is work. Listen, if, if, if we get to the place where our patience works like it's supposed to work and we see the end of our faith, we see that dynamite explode into a manifestation of, of everything God intended for us to have. If we see that, it builds our faith. The next time we're more immune to the same pressure he put on us this time. And with each successive event in our lives, when we stand in faith and we, and we let our patience cause that faith to grow, each time we succeed in that, we are less and less affected by the pressure the enemy wants to bring to us the next time we're standing for something. That's what it's all about, folks. Is It's causing our faith to grow. Don't let go. Don't let go. It's more than just immediate relief. It's more, there's more at stake than that. Your faith life is at stake if you give up too soon, if you compromise on what God intends for you to have. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. James 1.8. Says, well, let's go back to verse six. It says, but let him, well, go back to verse five, sorry. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraids not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. How can he when he's wavering back and forth between two things? How can he receive anything that God has sent his way? A double-minded man is unstable 
in all his ways. The amplified version of this says, For being as he is, a man of two minds, hesitating, dubious, irresolute, he is unstable and unreliable and uncertain about everything he thinks, feels, and decides. That's a picture of the man who wavers. But what about the man who stays steady, who's not affected by the wind and the waves, who doesn't waver any at all? We can read it like this. A single-minded man is a man without hesitation, without question, having a fixed purpose. He's determined, constantly steady, bold, unflinching, stable, reliable, and certain about everything he thinks, feels, and decides. Which one you want to be? I'll give you the definition for each. And you can, when you're tempted to compromise, you can look at it and go, oh, okay, that kind of puts it in perspective here. Which one am I going to be? Double-minded, single-minded? Huh, okay. You know what? Bold words. But God is expecting us to be people of boldness. He expects us to believe him boldly, extravagantly, outlandishly. I mean, far and above anything we could have ever even thought. He wants us to get our faith to the place we can believe him for anything. But I'm telling you what, the key to putting patience to work is a quality decision. A quality decision. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give in, sink or swim, live or die. I, I, I am not going to change. I'm immovable. Mark 4 verse 17 talks about when people who have no root in themselves. See, doing this this way, doing it God's way, letting faith work in us, letting patience have her perfect work, letting our faith grow because the trying of our faith has, has worked patience in us. All this put together helps us put down roots. Roots, you know, you can you can look at at a tree and 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 you think, man, that's a, that's a nice tree. You don't know that the root system that goes down into the ground is probably twice the size of the tree that you see. That's what we need to be. Whatever, however, people see us, our roots need to go down so deep, so deep, so deep that we're not going to be moved by anything. It's a decision to stay put, to stay focused, to stay with it, to stay steady, to stay constant, to stay immovable. Hallelujah. Luke 14, 28, it says, this is something you need need to consider. Before you take a stand of faith, before you make this decision, you you have to make a quality decision, but before you even do that, you need to count the cost. Because in Luke 14, 28, it says, which of you intending to build sits not down first and counts the cost whether he has sufficient to build it? There's time, folks, when when it's not... We were having a a discussion in the office today about this. There's... Sometimes when you're faced with a certain thing, say like it's a, there's a financial need in your life, now's not the time to go read every prosperity scripture in the book. Now is the time to go find your faith scriptures. 
You need to get your faith established. You need to count the cost. What is it I need to do to put myself in a place where I can believe God for this? And once you've found that, once you've done that, once you've put your roots down deep into this situation, you can make a quality decision that this is what God has for me. This is what God says is mine. This is what he wants for me. This is what he desires for me. This is what he's pleased with in my life. This is how I can demonstrate the goodness of God to people around. Once you're there, you may take that stand of faith and you make a decision that patience will keep me steady on this faith journey. Patience will keep me going in the right direction. Patience will keep me in control of the events that are surrounding me right now because the enemy will come. There is no question about that. He will come with every pressure tactic. He will come with everything that he can do to, to distract you. He'll come with everything he can do to knock you off course. He'll come with everything he can do, with everything he can do to try to get you to compromise and settle for less. But if you've made up your mind ahead of time, there's nothing he can do that will change the outcome. The stick of dynamite's going to go off. There's going to be a loud explosion of the manifestation when it comes. You're going to keep yourself plugged in and online, not disconnected from anything, but full of what God says you are and what you have, what belongs to you. Patience, let patience have her perfect work. Let him have her perfect work. Don't settle. Please don't settle. You, you, you'll say, I, I'm, just, I'm just tired of all the wind. I'm tired of all the waves. I'm, I'm tired of all the standing. No, 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 no. Recognize when that temptation comes and deal with it and keep yourself steady. Take hold of that rudder on that ship, on this, on this whatever this wave is, and just go with it. Go with the wave, you know, surf it, you know. Just enjoy, you know, it's like the roller coaster. Whee! Let patience have her perfect work. Now, I needed this this week, and I figure you probably could use some of it too. It's a great reminder that God's got the answer. God is faithful. You can depend. You can rely on. You can trust him for anything that he's told you. See, what you need to know, to start, when, you, when you're going to count the cost is, where can I find my scripture in the word? Where can I find it? This is my backup. What has he said to my heart? What has he said to me? Then that becomes the rhema word to me. If he's told me I can have this, then he means I can have this. And I'm not going to be moved. I'm just looking at it, though it, it looks like it's hard. It looks like it's long. It looks like it's not going to work out. I keep steady. My patience keeps my faith steady. And in the end, I have exactly what I desired and what God desires for me. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. 
If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.